Good morning, Central Baptist Church family. And good morning to you two who are joining us for this live stream on Facebook. Um, we thank God for these uh, technological provisions um, while we wait for an opportune time um, and, and a, a proper time for us to gather. Um, indeed, um, the church should be gathering, um, but we also should be um, cautious and, and loving our neighbor um, at this time um, by um, choosing um, not to, to gather for a period of time until it is safe to do so. We've been, we've been going through uh, Mark, Mark, uh, the gospel according to Mark, this series. We are in chapter 3, verse 7 to 19 this morning. And the title, the topic of, 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 of uh, the sermon this morning is the question, are you a fan or a follower? Are you a fan or a follower? So this will be found in Mark chapter 3 verse 7 up until verse 19, um, let us take this time and uh, pray and call on the Lord's help as we um, hear his word this morning. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, what a joy indeed it is to be privileged to hear your word. We pray that you may give us hearts that are receptive of your truth hearts that are desirous to uh, obey and walk in your ways. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who enables us and who leads us. May you be praised and glorified as we hear your word this morning. O oh Lord, give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought as we go through your word. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That simple question, are you a fan or a follower? Uh, That's the main question for us this morning. It comes from the book Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. According to Kyle, a a fan is an enthusiastic admirer. A a follower is a completely is completely committed. A A fan shows interest in something from time to time and then moves on with their lives. A follower says, this is my life. Over the years, I've expressed that um, I'm not a big fan of sports. But that's not because I think sports is bad. It's, not ju- it's, it's just not my thing. It's something that I, I don't find um, to be interesting for me. But, but some of you are, are big fans, and I'm happy for you. But I doubt many of you here are true followers of sport. Uh, according to, to Carl Eidelman's definition, you know, when you look at that definition, I, I, I doubt many of you are completely committed to your team. And I'm not accusing you of being a fair-weathered fan necessarily. I'm just saying that for the most part, you enthusiastic you for the most part you enthusiastically admire your team but that's all right you you may watch every game your team plays you may even watch the whole soccer league or or the rugby league but for the most part you watch your team's game and then move on with your life 
your, your team is not your, your whole life. But at the end of the day, you're just a fan, right? You're not completely devoted to your team. Your, your life is much bigger than your sports team. If, if, if your team wins, you're happy. If your team loses, you're probably sad and, and, and um, you know, you tease each other about whose team lost and whose team is weak. But that doesn't dramatically change your life. You continue going to your job. You continue being with your family. Um, you continue with your life. It doesn't dramatically change your life. But when it comes to Jesus, it's different. When it comes to sports, there's nothing wrong with being a mere fan. Well, when it comes to Jesus, we are called to be a completely committed follower. Uh, don't show enthusiastic interest in Jesus. Um, we, 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 we don't just show enthusiastic um, um, interest in Jesus from time to time and then move on with, with our life like fans. Are you completely committed? Are you a fan or a follower? Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. As I said, in our text this morning, we encounter two groups of people. We encounter the first group um, is a group of fans. The second group is a group of followers. As we compare and contrast these groups of people, I hope you'll come to see um, where you're at in a relationship with Jesus. And I hope you will come to see where we should be in a relationship with Jesus. Mark chapter 3, verse 17, verse, verse 7 to verse 19, I read from the ESV. Follow me as I read God's word. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Edomia and beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make it known, to make him known. And he went up to the mountain and, and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Baonaginis. Uh, that is the son of thunder, Andrew and Philip um, and Bartholomew and, and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and, and, and Simon, the son, the, the, the Cananean and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. This is the word of the Lord. In the passage in front of us, we see two sets of, uh, of people, two groups of people, the crowds and the disciples and the true groups respond differently to Jesus. Over the, 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 the past weeks, we saw Jesus encounter religious leaders who ultimately reject him, right? And in the passage in front of us, neither group is rejecting Jesus. 
everybody in the passage gives a favorable response to Jesus. But the response of the crowds is an insufficient response to Jesus. They are merely fans of Jesus. There's only one right response to Jesus. It's not enough not to reject Jesus. It's not enough to be a fan of Jesus. We must accept Jesus on his terms. There's only one right response to Jesus, and that's to be a follower of Jesus who completely is committed to him. The disciples embody the right response in this passage, as we will see. So to to divide our time this morning, let's begin by looking at the inadequate response of the crowds. Jesus, in verse 7 to verse 12, then look at um, the better response. Bonds of the disciples in verse 13 to verse 19. And as we compare and contrast the fans and the followers in this passage, I hope that we too will be challenged and encouraged to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Let's look at the, the, the first group, right? The, the, we, we start with the crowds. As, 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 as we look at the crowds, we'll see that being a fan is an inadequate response to Jesus. Look at verse, uh, this is in verse 7, verse 12. These, uh, these verses have a summary to Jesus' public ministry so far. The Gospel of Mark wants to show us that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Son of God. So far, his authoritative teaching shows just that. His authoritative healing has shown that he is the Christ, the the Son of God. His authoritative power over demons has shown that he's the Christ, the Son of God. And at the end of this section, Mark declares, Mark shows us that the demons even declare to Jesus, you are the Son of God. This is a fitting conclusion to ministry of Jesus so far. But Mark has another purpose in writing his gospel. He wants to show us how we should respond to Jesus. And so the question before us in verse 7 to verse 12 is, is, is do the crowds re- respond rightly to Jesus? In verse 7 and verse 8, we are told a great crowd followed Jesus. Mark takes pains to show us just how big this crowd is. They are from all over the place. They are from Galilee in the north and Judea in the south. They are from Tyre and Sidon, which is even further north, and Eudemia, which is even further south. They are from the east side of the Jordan and the west side of the Jordan, from all points of the campus. Both Jews and Gentiles are following Jesus here. The crowds are truly Great. It's a big crowd. The, the crowds are so great, they are pressing around him. The crowds are so great, the disciples had to get a boat ready for Jesus so that the, the, the crowds won't crush him. But are they really following him? When Mark uses the word follow in his gospel, he's normally referring to discipleship. Simon and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. James and, and, and John left their father and followed Jesus. Levi left his tax booth and followed Jesus. These guys became his disciples. They committed to him. They, they, they left all and followed him. But the question is, is this crowd following Jesus in that sense? 
being a disciple, as, as we will see, involves complete commitment to Jesus and his teaching. It involves knowing who Jesus is and what is what it is he came to accomplish. It in, involves being with Jesus at all times. It involves doing what Jesus does. These crowds are doing that. They are not with Jesus all the time. These crowds come and go like fans. And that's the first thing we learn about being a fan. Fans come and go. Fans only come for what Jesus can do for them. And why do they come and go? Look at verse 8. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. They are coming to Jesus because of his miracles. They want to be healed and delivered from demons. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with um, them coming to Jesus to be healed. There's, there's, the, the problem is their motivation here uh, is inadequate. They don't want enough from Jesus. Why, why do I say this? Well, remember why Jesus came, right? We are told in Mark chapter 1, verse 38, after Jesus had healed a bunch of people and cast out demons, Jesus withdrew to a place to pray. And the crowds were looking for him to do more miracles. But Jesus told his disciples that the reason he came was to teach and preach. The crowds here aren't coming to hear Jesus teach. They are not coming here to hear a sermon from Jesus. They are only coming because they want Jesus. They want what Jesus is able to do for them. And that's the, the, the second thing we learn about being fans in this passage. Fans only come to Jesus for what he can do for them. It's normal for people to get excited about miracles, but miracles served a greater purpose here. They, they, they were to demonstrate that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They were to testify about that. Jesus was not some kind of magician trying to start up a, a show. He was not running a circus and going from town to time. These miracles served the purpose of demonstrating and revealing the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God himself, God in the flesh, but the crowds aren't there for this for his teaching. His teaching actually fleshed that even out more. His teaching explained the miracles. His teaching uh, um, demonstrated, um, um, explained who Jesus was. The crowds went there to hear him teach, and that that presents a problem because Jesus' teaching is critical for discipleship. For for Jesus' teaching not only teaches us that he is the Christ, the Son of God, it teaches us that we are all sinners and that the Christ must suffer and die for sinners. And Jesus' teaching ministry goes on to show that those who really follow Jesus must do what he does. Followers must suffer. That They must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus. Jesus, we will see in chapter 8, verse 34. They must love, they, they, they must lose their life to save it uh, in, chapter, in chapter 8, verse 35. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus' teaching shows this, it demonstrates this. But the crowds weren't there to hear this teaching. They were there for what Jesus could do for their immediate needs. They, they, they are not there for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. They are there for what Jesus could do for them. They are not interested in completely committing their lives to him. The crowd's response to Jesus isn't necessarily wrong, but it's inadequate. 
they come and go. And they only come to Jesus for what he, has, he, he can do for them. They are, they are not followers. They are simply fans. They are like people who want to live together and not be married. They, they want the benefits of marriage without marriage, without the commitment of marriage. They want to come and go. Let's look now at the right response of the disciples here. They'll show us that being a follower is the right response to Jesus. And there are three marks of a follower in this passage. Right? First of all, we see that followers submit to Jesus' authority. Followers submit to Jesus' authority. Look at verse 13. And he came up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Jesus establishes his authority here. He calls to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. They are responding to Jesus' authority. They didn't choose him. He chose them. And they responded. That's the first thing we see about following Jesus. Followers submit to Jesus' authority. But the heart and soul of this passage is in verses 14 and verses 15. Look at what it says. It says, And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. We, t- we see two, two more marks here of a follower of Jesus in these verses. Second, followers spend time with Jesus. Followers spend time with Jesus. There's, a, there's significance in the fact that Jesus calls 12 disciples. The 12 tribes of Israel represented the people of God. With the calling of the 12 disciples, we see the beginning of the new people of of, of God in Christ. The 12 disciples will establish the church. And God's goal from the beginning was to dwell with his people. So we shouldn't be surprised that following Jesus involves being with him. The disciples also sent out to do ministry. But they first have to be with Jesus. Their ministry flows out of their relationship with Jesus. FN will simply come to Jesus for what he can do for them right now. They'll go back to their life. A follower must ever be with Jesus. Jesus is their life. Those that follow Jesus must have fellowship with Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, by definition, involves relationship with Jesus. When we spend time with Jesus, we, we learn about who he is and what he came to do. When we spend time with Jesus, that, uh, uh, that we learn, we, we, when we spend time with Jesus, we, we, we learn more about who we are in him and, and, and what he, he would have us to do. You can't separate your life and ministry from an ongoing relationship with Jesus. For, for, for these disciples, that meant literally working with Jesus day and night for almost three years. But when Jesus returned to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus uh, dwells now in, in the hearts of believers through the Holy Spirit. 
we, we cultivate an ongoing relationship with Jesus in the Spirit. And, and, and we do so through the Word, through studying the Word, spending time in the Word, and spending time in prayer as well. We are called to do, to do that individually in our daily lives. We are called to do that in our families, and we are called to do that in the church. For a follower of Jesus, there's no area of their life that is not marked by relationship with Jesus through the word and prayer. Our lives belong to Jesus as followers of Jesus. If you are simply a fan of Jesus, you, you'll come to him when you need him and then go on with your life. Our elder once used an example about how um, he was quoting from John Piper, how we, 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 we treat Jesus as if he is a jack in, in, in the car. You, when you, you can drive for months without needing to jack your car. And so um, the only time you feel the need to use your, your car jack is when the, 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 the wheel has, has blown or, 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 you know, is flat. So we treat God like that. We treat Jesus like that. We only uh, come to him when we feel that we need him. He is not part of our lives. We are not actually having a relationship with him. But as a follower of Jesus, you'll, you'll have to cultivate a relationship with him through a life of, of, of the word and prayer. You see, followers not only spend time with Jesus, followers are also on a mission. Followers are also on a mission. Being a follower of Jesus involves doing what Jesus does. Jesus came teaching and casting out demons and healing the sick. So we shouldn't be surprised here that Jesus calls his disciples to preach and cast out demons. And we shouldn't be surprised in chapter 6 that they are also healing the sick. They don't do any of this perfectly or even in the exact same way that Jesus does. That's not the point. The point is followers of Jesus do what Jesus does. And Jesus was on mission. And his mission up to this point was twofold. To declare the gospel about himself and to demonstrate the power of the gospel. Jesus' miracles demonstrated his power. And because followers of Jesus do what Jesus does, they too are on a mission. They are called to declare the gospel and demonstrate the power of the gospel. First, they declare the gospel. Jesus' disciples preached the gospel while Jesus was still with them. We, we, we see this in chapter 6. And, and after Jesus returned to the Father, the apostles established the church by preaching the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we are followers of Jesus, we are called to do the same. We are not apostles, obviously, we're not apostles, and our preaching doesn't have the same authority as Jesus' preaching or the apostles' preaching had. But we are called still to, to declare the gospel to the ends of the earth until Christ returns. Each and every one of us. We have that responsibility. We have that duty as Christians, but it's not just a duty, it must also be a joy. It must be a joy. In fact, if you aren't uh, 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 think about this that you, are, you aren't a follower of Jesus if you don't share the gospel or those who only come to Jesus for what they need 
are simply fans. Those who let the fear of rejection keep them from declaring the gospel are simply fans. Jesus was rejected, but he continued to preach until they hung him on a cross. Followers of Jesus do what Jesus did. They declare the gospel in the face of rejection. What about you? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan? You see, followers are on a mission. Followers are called to declare the gospel. They they are also called to demonstrate the gospel. Jesus' disciples, preaching ministry was accompanied by demonstrations of power. They were called to cast out demons and to heal just like Jesus. This demonstration of power validated their message. I think it is a reasonable application of our text this morning. Our transformed lives demonstrate the power of the gospel. Our transformed lives validate the gospel. We, we don't save people by our lives. If, if that were the case, nobody would be saved. Only Jesus' life, death, and resurrection saves people. And, and that only comes through the preaching of the gospel. But our lives are a demonstration of how this gospel really transforms people. Followers of Jesus will become more and more like Jesus as they submit to his authority. And as this happens, the gospel is seen as legitimate and transformative. See, we can't can't be on mission without spending time with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus goes hand in hand with the mission. And we can't declare the gospel without also demonstrating the gospel in our lives and through our good deeds. A fan of Jesus gives lip service to Jesus' authority in their lives. A follower of Jesus shows the authority of Jesus by submitting their lives to Jesus. And as this happens, the follower of Jesus demonstrates the power of the gospel and validates their gospel they are called to declare. But with that said, there is a caution that must be made. Jesus doesn't call good and great people to demonstrate the gospel. Jesus calls sinners to himself and then transforms them. We are not called um, or saved by Jesus because we are good people. right? Jesus causes as we are and then changes us. Look at the bunch of disciples that Jesus called to himself in this passage. He didn't choose them because they were great guys. He chose them because um, he wanted to, right? He, he called them to, to, he, he called to him those whom he desired. These guys were not the most religious in the world. They were regular guys. They were like, uh, uh, some of them were fishermen. And these guys weren't the most respected. They were sinners. Uh, like Matthew, the text collector. They are a bunch, even included Judas, who, who would even betray Jesus. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And here's the amazing thing here. Jesus then delights to transform sinners and to use them in his mission of declaring and demonstrating the gospel. Are you a fan or a follower? I'm afraid that in our country... um, South Africa, if you, even if you look at the statistics, there are a lot of people who would call themselves Christians. The, the crowds who 
you know, um, call themselves Christians are large. This country um, of ours is not full of atheists who, who outright reject Jesus. In fact, you would hardly find any atheist in, in Africa, let alone South Africa. The, the majority of people call themselves Christians. But I'm afraid that many who call themselves Christians are simply fans of Jesus. There's actually a lot of fans in churches as well. And I suspect that there are even some in this church in CBC. But you need to know something this morning. It's not enough to simply not reject Jesus. It's not enough to be an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus. We are called to follow Jesus with devotion. We are called to submit to his authority. We are called to spend time with him. We are called to be on mission. The the, the passage in front of us is designed to show us that there is a difference between being a follower and being a fan of Jesus. Being a fan is an inadequate response to Jesus. Being a follower is the only right response to Jesus. And now our devotion to Jesus doesn't save us. And I must, I must uh, emphasize that. We are not saved by our devotion to Jesus. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. For the glory of God alone as it is revealed in the Bible alone. But those Jesus has saved, he calls to follow him. He calls his disciples to do what he did. He laid down his life for us. We are called to lay down our lives as well. Fans don't lay down their lives. Fans come and go. And fans only come to Jesus for what he can do for them. They just want Jesus to do something for them. They are not ready to commit. They are not ready to follow. They are not ready to be devoted to him. Jesus is... Just a footnote on their schedule. They can work around their schedule and, 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 and put Jesus aside. When something comes up that they deem more important, they um, put Jesus aside. They play golf on Sunday when their favorite sport is on Sunday, at at that time, they put Jesus aside to stay home and watch the sports. Very interesting, even even, um, during the lockdown, that um, many believers have a longing to, to gather with other believers. They have a longing for fellowship. Followers long to fellowship with other followers. Fans see that as an opportunity to stay away. I'm not saying that we should defy the government, but what I'm saying is that what is your heart telling you during this time? Is your heart saying to you, oh, finally, we don't have to go to church? Or is it your heart saying, oh, 
such a tragic, tragic moment. You see, followers know that Jesus is their life. And so they live their life completely committed to him. If you claim to be a Christian, I want to challenge and encourage you this day. Follow Christ. Submit to him. Spend time with him. And commit your life on mission for Christ. That's the only adequate response to Jesus. Follow, commit, be devoted to him. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the challenge that your word brings to us. Challenging us of whether we are fans or followers. May our lives be marked by a commitment to you, Lord. Commitment to following you. A commitment to spending time with you. To pursuing and cultivating a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done in the death of our Lord and resurrection from the cross that has reconciled us to yourself and and made us children of God. May our eyes be open to truly see that Jesus is the Son of God, to see that he is worthy of, of our commitment. And so we pray, Lord, that you may be blessed. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, folks, for um, connecting. Um, um, Thank you. Uh, May God bless you uh, and your families. Amen.